The Hard Parking Podcast is sponsored to you by Talk Mobile. Talk Mobile is an innovator in retail and works with organizations like T-Mobile to operate stores throughout Oklahoma, Arizona, Kansas, and Louisiana. For more information and to jumpstart your career, please visit talkmobile.net. Again, that's talkmobile.net. back to the hard parking podcast i'm your host jay finning brando is out planning on fracking for fuel lines in the philippines today we're very fortunate we're joined by a very special friend of mine he has probably driven more miles in the past 10 years than any given 10 of you listening to this podcast have driven combined your entire life at some point i hope he turns his popular blog into a hardback book and audiobook it's that blog that some of you may know and others may become very familiar with the blogger of the drive to five quest to drive 500,000 and beyond Tyson Hugie, welcome to the pod. How are you doing? Hey, thanks, Jay, for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, it's nice to be in an office chair instead of my uh, driver's seat for a change. <laughs> so you're all over the place. Are you at Are you at home now, or are you where are you at? Yeah. So yeah, a week ago today, I got back from a 5,600 mile uh, Florida and back trip from Phoenix, and so I feel like I'm still getting back into the groove of things, but uh, it's one of my rare evenings at home. So you've been doing this blog for a long time. I went back on your archives, and your archives goes all the way back to 2011. Yep. So it looks like you're getting ready to flip to the ninth year. Yeah, you know, I I didn't think I would even, if you'd asked me in 2011 when I kicked that off, if I'd still be doing it eight, nine years later, I would have said no way. But it's sort of a fun way to archive my travel patterns and talk about cards and meet people and do car review. I mean, it's really evolved into more than it. Initially, it was just a travel journal. You know, hey, I got this, you know, passion for adventure. I got a Acura legend. Check me out. And (laughs) here I am now. Just before this, I went and checked stats. There have been some years better than others, but I consistently pull roughly 35 to 40,000 visitors. And then I have a almost a hundred people who are email subscribed. So the second I kick off a blog, uh, it goes to their inbox. I don't know, you know, what compels people to follow it, but I'm thrilled. And, uh, you know, I'm just kind of riding the wave. We'll see where it takes me. I think there's a part of car people or there's just a part of people in general that wishes they can just kind of go out and, and be free. And then probably sort of live in their, that feeling kind of vicariously through you, you know, sitting at work and, you know, working the nine to five and, oh, wow, I wonder what Tyson did today because, man, I wish I could just be out there on the open road. But it's actually, it seems like, yeah, you have a lot of fun, but it's got to be some work too, right? For sure. And that, the work-life balance has definitely been a challenge at times. I'm pretty fortunate right now. So I work in the hosp- uh, hospital industry and I have very, you know, liberal flexibility with my leadership team as far as working from home or working from wherever. Matter of fact, two weeks ago, I worked from, and I'm using air quotes right now, I worked from Key West, Florida, you know, and so I definitely don't take that for granted. I know a lot of people, you know, put in their due diligence at the office in a cubicle, um, I do that maybe three or four days a week, but I definitely pride myself in being able to, you know, be just as productive from the road or from wherever I might be. And it's taken a while to get there. You know, I definitely, uh, I appreciate the the current role that I'm in for letting me do that. Yeah, so it's you brought up the the Florida trip, and I saw that, um, and that was a post before the post that you just posted today. And in that trip, you covered 2,700 miles in five days, and it seems like you literally know people everywhere. How many people do you think you've been able to become friends with in the last I don't know nine and a half or almost nine years? 
Yeah, it's, it's pretty wild, uh, you know, and ultimately it's not even necessarily the blog that's driven some of this contacts. It's more so just automotive industry exposure. So a couple years ago, there was some random piece and I, and I don't know the exact title, but Galopnik put out something about this crazy guy with a fetish or 90s Hondas and Acuras. And, and I received an onslaught of, of friend requests <laughs> and folks who just, it's funny because I'm living, you know, in my late 30s now, I'm finally buying my dream cars from when I was in high school. And I think a lot of the people who start subscribing and relating to me um, sort of have those same aspirations. Oh, man, I found this awesome, you know, whatever, Civic EM1 SI, what do you think? And so, yeah, I definitely on that yeah, trip definitely. was one a good example. I was able to stay with people every night of that 13-day trip, except for two nights, just because I was able to leverage contacts in each of those cities. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to put people out, but I I had so much fun just getting to know them and exploring the nightlife for cities that I don't, you know, I'm not accustomed to visiting. Was that the, was that the Alaska trip by any chance? Yeah, well, that this one that I just referenced was Florida, but Alaska... Definitely, uh, that was a 16 dare, and I've done it twice now. So, once you get beyond the the Canada, you know, international border, I didn't know a soul. So, uh, my buddy Jason was following me. So, this is how car crazy we are. We drove 8,000 miles and took two separate cars because the whole point was you don't want to carpool with somebody. The whole point is driving to Alaska so that you can say you drove and you took your car. So, So Jason and I stayed connected via walkie-talkies for this 16-day excursion. And honestly, we didn't plan our stops in advance. We we had this inch-thick book called The Mile Post that basically outlines mile by mile, here's your amenities, here's your gas stations, here's your hotels. And we just kind of winged it. And it worked out so well that I... Honestly, don't know that I would do it any other way if I if I went back and I will go back again. So that was your blog posted on June 5th. I actually made note of that because I was going to ask you, I mean, 16 days, is that your longest end-to-end uh, road trip? Because during that time, you did 13 total blog posts as well. I know. And that's that, honestly, uh, the blogging was a stressful component of that because the last thing I wanted to do when I got into this rickety hotel with, you know, inconsistent Wi-Fi was deal with resizing pictures and uploading pictures and generating the content. But I felt like doing that out of obligation to the people who I'd promised to take along for the ride. So it's, it, the message doesn't have as much meaning if I just wait until the very end to do a massive ride up. I wanted to literally be taking people stop by stop. Mm-hmm. And so I think they appreciated that. And I actually saw a heavy volume of people coming back for each of those 13 or however many blog posts. And, um, you know, despite the effort that went into it, I think it was totally worth it. Absolutely. So you see when you, when you post, you can, does it give you a counter of how many people have clicked on it or read the blog? Yeah. And it basically comes down to my WordPress analytics and, and I've used that a lot of times, even not a, not a, Shut off the WordPress. yeah, yeah. Not even necessarily <laughs> just for trip. <laughs> Uh, purposes, but I use it to see what people like, what are people clicking? You know, some of my posts that I haven't thought would be uh, popular have gone crazy. Other content that I've put a lot of effort into 
tanks. So being able to understand what my readers are into is a great way to customize um, for optimization. I tell you what, I tried to blog once and you're, you're kind of like a, the people's champion because that's a lot of hard work and like anything people, I think they don't really appreciate how much work gets put into anything and everything you do in order to be consistent. I have a blog out there. It's a WordPress blog. I thought I was going to blog every day. I thought I was going to blog once a week. I don't think it's, it's kind of come to the last few things I've even posted were just my NS Expo articles. So, or, or the NSX driver article. So it's kind of cheating in a way. Yeah. That is a lot of work to be able to be on the road and understand that you kind of have a, a responsibility to be for people out there, or I would call them your audience, your, your fans to post not only the photos, but to kind of give timely updates. Yeah. Cause I think that's one of the biggest, the, the most challenging things to do to, to make, totally. just maintain a blog. Cause you still have a job. Yeah. hundred percent. And admittedly, you know, like you said, in the eight or nine years I've been blogging, I, my blog frequency is is way down. You know, I try and go for quality over quantity now. But here's the thing. So I also, you know, the blog is there and it's I, I intend to maintain it, you know, perpetually. But I actually put a lot of efforts into other avenues now. Um, I just recently in the last couple of years, I've started putting a lot more effort into my YouTube. And that's been very rewarding. Um, I contribute like you mentioned, you know, earlier in our conversation this evening, um, some of the NSX publications. So I contribute regularly to our quarterly magazine. Um, I write for Arizona driver magazine. Uh, I recently, uh, got onboarded as a freelance journalist with classiccars.com that's based here in the Phoenix area. So there, there's a lot of other places where I can share content that, you know, maybe if I'm lucky, I can even monetize it. You know, if I if I post a blog entry on WordPress, it's it's mostly just because I want to. If I post an article on ClassicCars.com, um, I actually get a return on that time spent. So, you know, it, it's helped me sort of prioritize my efforts because, like you said, it's a huge undertaking to put these articles together. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. You know, what's the what's the ultimate goal? What's the dream goal? And then you kind of answered it. You know, maybe to be discovered. And I I have to believe that you know, some of the stuff you've done outside of just your blog in the automotive world and your blog have kind of helped springboard that. Yeah, and definitely. So the thing is the blog initially, what it did for me is connected me with um, some contacts. And in this, in any industry and automotive is no exception, it's really who you know and kind of um, relationships that you can build. And so what I started in March, 2011 has evolved into now, you know, I'm on a, I try to maintain being on a first name basis with a lot of folks from my favorite car companies and some of the uh, local journalist organizations. And really, um, you know, I hope that I can say I've kind of made a name for myself and want to continue to do so. And it's been rewarding because I've been pulled into planning committees for car club events and, you know, I'm getting exposure to special projects. I don't know if you remember a few years ago, um, Acura was rebuilding or restoring the Acura legend that was owned by Ludacris. It was a Ajmer silver metallic 1993 sedan. Well, guess what? When when they rebuilt his car for SEMA, I remember they called that. me to help with part sourcing. And so stuff like that, I think is really cool. And I'm, I'm honored that, you know, I can buy, kind of be seen as a 
I don't know if you want to call it the heritage Acura enthusiast. You know, I'm I'm kind of uh, the poster child for, you know, brand history and brand advocacy just because I've been so obsessed with it for almost 20 years. You know, you mentioned connections and people on a first name basis. And you're one of the examples that I, I talk about that because people get lost in today's social media world. And I was like, you know, you don't have to have a lot of people following you. Just have to do the you have to be consistent and have the right people pay attention. And you got to you can't be a screw up. And you're kind of like a class A citizen, which is there's not too many of you guys or people around. Um, so, so like half the people that I know today, you know, in 2019, that have anything to do with the automotive world. I kind of think you sort of had a little bit to do with that by introducing me to some people. Yeah. And honestly, I, I think at the end of the day, um, you get out of any kind of relationship or interaction, what you put into it. And I, I like to give back, you know, if somebody in, if somebody invites me to a special event or a program, I will make sure I talk about it and post about it. Um, if somebody goes out of their way to introduce me to a special contact, I'll send a follow-up note a few days later and say, hey, it was really nice meeting you. Let me know if you're ever in the Phoenix area. You know, my my garage and home are open to you. Just, uh, I think little things go a long way. And it's been super cool because um, what goes around comes around. And I'll tell you, like, here's an example. Somebody the other day DM'd me on Instagram. Hey man, I was at this yard sale. I got the Motor Trend Import Car of the Year 1994 actual trophy. You're the person I think would want this. And I'm like, dude, yeah. <laughs> so he brings me this huge, like, glass, <laughs> you know, dome thing, legit with the Motor Trend calipers in it. I mean, that that kind of thing is you can't put a price on that because, you know, this guy felt compelled to. He's like, of all the people, your name came to my forefront of my mind that would get a kick out of this. And, and I appreciate stuff like that. And so I, you know, reciprocally, if I get, um, let's say I have a duplicate of an article on a car that somebody's got, I'll send it to them, you know, say, Hey man, you, I thought about you when I saw this uh, article on a 93 Del Sol, check this out. And so I think in that regard, the car community and automotive is so much of a huge family. And, when we go to things like NS Expo and then National Acura Legend Meet and um, even to a smaller extent, some of our regional meetups, it's so much more like a family reunion than just a car club. And I'm sure you probably feel the same way. hundred percent. But I can't help but to sit here and kind of steam a little bit because I've known you for, I don't know, what, five or six years and you have given me shit. Yeah, actually. Hey, you know what? And I do owe you <laughs> because I'm proudly displaying uh, the little commemorative pin with your car number 94. And I picked that because my car, my primary, you know, car from back in the day is a 94 model year. So I do, uh, I do have some Jay Fenning swag on proud display in here. I'll tell you what, and I'll tell everybody who's listening to this. So, not, you know, just so people don't get upset, but you know, when I got those little miniatures of the VF1 SNSX made, I thought of people who, um, were hardcore supporters or played a part or were just genuine. And so that's when your name popped up. And so I asked people, Hey, pick a number. Cause there was a hundred of them. I only got 80, 21 to the maker, uh, lean customs, shout out to lean customs. And each one of them, I, you know, they're, they're stamped on the back, but then I also kind of autographed them, put the number on the front. And so for me, it was like a treat to give it to people like yourself. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, I appreciate that because it's a conversation piece, if nothing else. And 
by the way, I think it's freaking badass that you've gone on to, you know, you've got the die cast cars, you've got this whole brand that you built and there's no, there's nothing like it, you know, and the fact that you can know that your creation invention is all around the world, you know, that has to be sort of gratifying and, uh, you know, mega props for that. I, I know it wasn't necessarily kind of a planned thing in terms of the die cast thing. I, I heard through the grapevine that that was a, a, a late discovery or, a, you know, <laughs> under the table kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. But how cool was that? Well, the thing with, with that, it was, um, it was, it was super cool. And a lot of people were like, you know, screw that. If that would have happened, I would have sued them or I would have asked for money or canceled. And I was like, you know, I kind of take the approach of the people, right? Because I'm just some guy, regardless of what people say, I'm just some guy and I'm not a corporation. And if I can look back, you know, in a year or two and look over a display case full of all sorts of legit officially licensed stuff and see my car with my name on it, you know, to me, I was like, man, that's really neat. And I know that there's a lot of people out there in the world who wanted a miniature of it. You know, a lot of people don't like it, but that's fine. But at the end of the day, I can look over and see my name on a car and be like, mic drop. And I received a special call from a friend of mine who does a lot of movies in Hollywood. And I'd never actually talked to him on the phone. We've just exchanged messages online because he's into cars as well. And, you know, we had a 45 minute conversation. He goes, you know what, Jay, you should just take this as an opportunity to market yourself even more. Put your name on the car. See if they'll do it. If they will, go with it. If they don't, fuck them. So they went with it. And I said, I don't want money. I just want my name on the car. So, yeah, that worked out, you know, really well. But, yeah, there's no way I could have even imagined, awesome. you know, years ago, especially as a kid, right? But even when I first started doing this design, there's no way I could have envisioned that one day that mm. someone would send me a link to eBay and there's some guy on the other side of the world making copies of my car. That's just fucking insane yeah definitely that's awesome and i know you know we joked about this before because i think i was at a uh, event with you one time and somebody goes jay how many instagram accounts do you have because <laughs> because your presence it, i mean not just nsx community but you're out there and so i i don't think i'll ever see the day when i'll be able to say to somebody you ever seen Jay Fenning's car? And they would say, no, I think every NSX owner at some point has been exposed to that. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's kind of one of those deals where, um, it's kind of going back to what you said earlier with, you know, the guy who, who found the thing at the yard sale and, and hooked you up with the 94, um, display, you know, you have to be really careful and you have to be really genuine on social media because you never know who looks up to you for inspiration. You never know who's watching. You never know who's listening. And I'd like to think, as I was kind of alluding to earlier, that because of the person that you are, that's how some of this stuff transpired. You know, and then you get those opportunities. You know, if you're having a bad day, you don't, you don't get on social media yeah. and start screaming about it. And you don't talk about things you don't like. You know, you just sure. behave. Yeah. And I, I mean, admittedly, you know, I have my days, too, where I, you know, think twice about posting something or, or whatever. But I think um, for better or for worse, you know, I everybody's electronic story follows them. And if, if you Google your name or my name, you know, what what is there is there. The thing of it is, too, um, just kind of being complimentary to people goes a long way. And, and here's an example. Um, there was a period of time where it became a challenging thing to be a, an accurate brand advocate, if you want to call it that. 
And so I got a lot of criticism from people, you know, about cars or someone would message me, this design language is disgusting, or I've had really bad luck with this car transmission, you know, and so being able to keep a positive attitude about things like that and kind of press on and, you know, find ways to either, hey, let me put you in touch with customer relations. Or I even, a friend had a, a TSX with a power steering, uh, you know, chronic issue, put him in touch with the uh, the general manager over parts and services nice. at Honda Corporate to get that resolved. And so it's not just like, it's not all, you know, sweet smelling roses when, when you're seen as sort of someone as a resource in, um, you know, a brand advocate position. It also has to do with fielding complaints and, and dealing with people who love to talk negatively about, you know, cars that you're into and um, things like that. So I don't know if you've ever received that too, but, you know, just being able to take criticism to some extent is just comes with the turf. Yeah. It's like, how did I become that person? But I'll be honest, like I'm exact opposite in a way, you know, and those people who know, know. So it's almost like a running joke, but you know, so we'll talk about accurate when they post something, I respond with some of the dumbest questions and I troll so hard just to try to get people to come out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the stuff that's, you know, the posts or the comments that are controversial are the ones that generate the most discussion. And so to some extent, I think maybe some of that, and I don't, honestly, I, I don't know specifically who is running their social media right now. It's been changed hands so many times. And right. it, it may even be, and at least last time I checked, it, was a, it wasn't even largely done internally. They had a third-party uh, agency handling it. But yeah, and I, I think that's funny because, um, you know, for better or for worse, maybe discussion in a negative light is at least giving visibility to the brand. And, you know, chatter isn't always bad. So, I, you know, there's, there's definitely some strategy. Well, you know, I'm careful not to say anything. I'm careful not to say anything mm -hmm. negative per se, but it might be like, you know, like our friend who's, you know, not official, but, you know, accurate connected, you know, and I think they've mm -hmm. grown quite a bit, even though they're not official, but I think it's working well for them. They'll post someone's modified TLX and I'll say something like, is that the new MDX? You know, I'll just <laughs> kind of throw something out there just to yeah. see who I can catch. So it's interesting. Um, and, and Chris, that's my buddy, Chris's site. And, you know, he's really, he puts so much effort into that. And especially I, I give him major props because it's, it's all sort of just as a brand fan, he, he's not even on the clock, so to speak with, with Acura. And it's been kind of interesting to, to interface with him. He's based in Canada. So um, there have been plenty of times when I've been kind of his eyes and ears on the ground locally to supply content. Shout out to Chris Tobias, by the way. Yeah, for sure. Thanks Chris for keeping us in, in the know, I can't say that because that's Honda Pro Jason's tagline. Hey, Jason, if, you're, if you ever hear this. Um, so, yeah, Chris is a cool guy. And I that kind of avenue for communicating news, rumors, you know, press releases, I think that's a necessary place to to have. You know, the thing that was with Acura is such a big company and it's, a, it's governed by Honda in all of its conservative nature. And some of the stuff I think that Chris gets away with posting, Acura Corporate would never be able to put on their social media because we wouldn't make it through legal or, you know, we need to get uh, a non-disclosure agreement signed or we need somebody to sign this. And there's just, I think to some extent, 
the, the company is confined by red tape and that's okay. It's a big company. They all are. But Chris, Chris's, you know, site feels so much more grassroots and real. I think he's, he's right in line with, you know, the, the real day-to-day enthusiasts like us. No, I agree with that. I definitely agree. So let's, um, I read that, you know, so you did the 7,900 or, you know, basically 8,000 road mm-hmm. trip that we discussed earlier with 13 blog posts. And that was your second trip. Is yeah. that correct? So your very first blog post from 2011, kind of uh, at that time, your favorite road trip was in 2006 yeah. with your father, yeah. which was 7,600 miles, 467 on the go-go. Now. So yeah, I actually had had, so I bought the Legend in 2003. So prior to that, you know, I was driving a Honda Prelude and a variety of other kind of project cars. But keep in mind, I didn't start, I, I drove the car daily for eight years before I even knew what a blog was and started it. So sort of that first kickoff post, I, I had a lot of ideas ahead of me about basically playing catch up. And so um, some of that, you know, I have a post specifically about odometers. Here's every time I rolled one, two, three, four, five, six, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and so on and so forth. But um, yeah, so that first year I sort of caught up on everything. And it's funny you talked about, you know, printing a blog as a book. My mom did that. She found a website online that took drive to five from when I started it, 467,000 miles up until the red carpet party, November 2011 at 500K. And it's printed in a hardbound book in my house. And I, the front inside cover is signed by a bunch of Honda people and Acura people. And it's one of my favorite things to show people that stop by is like, here's a hard copy of, you know, the drive to five. So let's go back to then um, November 2011. That was the red carpet event. Right. Yeah. So how did that happen? <laughs> how did that transpire? Even to this day, I don't know kind of where or how my name got dropped. But so I think... What I really attribute it to was uh, there was an S2000 homecoming event back in 2010, I think. And I was invited because a guy named Mike Trin, who runs that, had seen my post on NSX Prime about this high mileage legend. Hey, buddy, I'm putting together an S2000 event at corporate. You got a cool car. Do you want to come via VIP? So I did. The car had like just over 400K on it. So I, in the course of that, in Torrance, I met some people, including one of them who worked um, at that main office. Anyway, his name was Brad. Um, I got home from the S2000 event. I shot Brad an email and said, hey, by the way, I have this blog. If you guys care to look at it, you know, I got this 467,000 mile legend. Anyway, he forwarded that to somebody. And the next thing I knew, I was getting a phone call from their PR agency. and they said, hey, pretty cool story you got here. How about we pick a date? Have you come roll 500K at corporate headquarters? And uh, we'll see what we can do. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm down. So we picked a date pretty far out. I had a spare car, so <laughs> I was already driving a second legend too. And basically, I, I did the math in my head. I figured out where I could be mileage-wise, you know, the day before this event to allow for my 400 miles to drive to LA. And it was one of the most stressful. I was, dude, I was dying because I had this huge buffer of miles. So we're like circling corporate. I got a cameraman in the back seat. I got my mom in the passenger seat 
and I'm trying to burn out miles where there's a bunch of people standing on this uh, red carpet in the backside of headquarters. And all said and done, <laughs> I nailed it perfectly. I rolled literally on the red carpet, five zero 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 point one, and uh, you know, they asked me to to say a few words at the podium. At wow. that time, it was Jeff Conrad who was the uh, VP Sales. Um, he's since moved to a different role, but I mean, that was that day to me. I was I was like on cloud nine because what Absolutely. I started as just a stupid story to talk about my you know, legend that I took so much pride in had evolved into these people actually care. And that, that right there sold me on like, I love this brand, you know, and that, and that's, yeah. Anyway, kind of from there, things kind of snowballed. Um, I got a call three weeks later from uh, one of the folks in digital marketing that said, we love what you said at your, at the podium about your love for the brand. What do you think about coming out to LA and uh, we need to talk okay. to you about a special project idea. And uh, ended up going to LA. They showed me a pre-production ILX. So keep in mind, this is now spring of 2012. So they showed me a, a 20, what was going to be a 2013 model year, new, brand new car ILX. I didn't even know what the name was. And uh, what do you think about this? I got in it and it was, it was sort of crude because it was prototypey, you know, orange peel paint and all this. You and didn't say, oh, it's cool. It's not a legend. <laughs> no, I, I didn't, honestly, I couldn't, I didn't know where the direction of the brand was. Going. Right. Cause at that time they still had TSX, they had TL. I'm like, what even is this thing? Had a stick shift in it. The one that I looked at was blue and and uh, John, who was the individual who facilitated my visit, said, well, this is going to be a new model. And how do you feel about us uh, kind of using your eyes as a way to launch this over the next six months? I'm like, sure. Yeah. What like, do you, what? Yeah. I, that, and that was the aha moment where I was like, are you kidding me right now? I mean, of course. Yeah. So over the next few months. I flew to Indiana when they started producing the ILX. I met, um, at the time, John Akeda, who went on to become Acura general manager. I met him, who, who was over uh, exterior design. I met John Norman from interior design. Um, I, I met some of the advertising folks. I mean, I was in a star-studded, just absolutely unbelievable experience for the next few months and still holding down my day job. But I would do all this stuff for them on weekends or whatever. And they had a whole YouTube series about, you know, getting introduced to the ILX. Um, everything culminated in around May 2012 um, when they said, all right, this is it. We're going to put you in a car for a year. So what color do you want? Do you want a tech package? Do you want a stick chip? Do you want any accessories? And I'm like, yes, yes to all. Right. And uh, what you got? It showed up to... Yeah, dude, I, I got the PDF of the accessory brochure before it was even in print, and I checked every box. And uh, the car showed up to my local dealer down at Temp Acura Tempe, and we did one last video where I was basically accessorizing the car and then driving off into the sunset. And that was June 12th of 2012. And uh, kind of, as they say, the rest is history. So. Um, 
So at that point, what is their direction to you? Just keep doing what you're doing. Exactly. That's going to be one hell of a motivational, you know, you're like, wow. I mean, I started this blog in 2011 and holy crap, you know, a year and a half later, I got some keys dropped in my hand. For sure. And I, and that, well, the funny thing was there was no contract. It wasn't, we need you to blog once a week or I want you to, you know, whatever. It was just, here's a car, have fun with it. Let us know what you think. Boom. So right away, you know, I, the legend got sidelined into just weekend status and I started packing the miles on the ILX. And so 12 months into it, um, I put 54,000 miles on that thing. And it was funny because, I mean, keep in mind, I got it halfway through 2012 as a 2013. So I had a current model year car with like 60,000 miles <laughs> on it. Gently used. I was needing parts and service. Yeah. I was needing, I was out of warranty before it was even, the model year was up. (laughs) And so I would show up for parts and I needed like, I don't remember what it was, but maybe like a cabin air filter or something. And my service advisor, Acura, says like, yeah, we don't even have that on the shelf yet because we don't think anybody's going to need that for about two more years. (laughs) So anyway, um, at that point, it was kind of, uh, the year finished up and and the car was on California tags registered to American Honda as a fleet vehicle and they were expiring. And so I emailed back and I'm like, Hey, first of all, here's a PowerPoint slideshow of everything I've done with the car. Goods, bads, uglies, highlights, lowlights. You got it. It was huge. And I also said, um, and by the way, these tags are, which side was bigger, the highlights or the lowlights? <laughs> the highlights. I mean, it, it's a, it's a sweet car to daily. And I still daily it eight years later, it's got 220,000, but, um, and I'm like, hey, by the way, uh, the tags are expired. Like, do you guys want the car back? You know, what's going on? And uh, bottom line is they ended up sending me the title. So That's awesome. I ended up through, you know, through it in my name and, and have continued to drive it. You've obviously slowed um, down or shuffled cars. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I really was determined to drive 200,000 on it. And so when I hit that milestone... Um, my brother and I put together a really sweet video, uh, just drone footage and some interview type Q&A, because I, I wanted to do that as sort of like, thank you so much for letting me, you know, experience this car. I think, you know, I went above and beyond your one year expectation. In fact, I blogged about this for, you know, I think at that time it was five. I literally rolled five, uh, 200,000 miles, five years to the day after getting the car. So to me, that kind of felt like a little bit of closure. Um, not that I didn't want to blog about it anymore after that, but I, my obligation had been more than fulfilled. And, you know, if, if they felt like they needed anything else from me, they could reach out. So I actually ended up giving, not giving, but my brother borrowed the car for about a year and a half up in Utah. So, you know, at that time I was able to start enjoying some of my other cars for a little bit. How many total miles do you think you've put on all your vehicles since you started your blog? You know, that's, I think I should summarize that at some point, because if you think about it. I have to do it right now. Yeah, well, no, no the, I bet it's it's easily a million because Legend Coupe I bought with 95,000. It's got 572. So there's about 500,000. ILX has 200K. Now you're at seven. And then every other car I've ever driven, easily another few hundred grand. So, yeah, I mean, I'm likely a million mile man, but, you know, it's been spread over a few different cars. 
So I want everybody listening to pay attention because when people are looking for cars or looking for used cars, for some reason, and this could be an old thing that's carried over from the 80s, but for some reason, we're not talking financing, but for some reason, people feel like as soon as yeah, a car hits 100,000 right. miles, it's junk. Here's the thing with that. I mean, <clears throat> my whole logic always, I had that rationale when I was daily driving the legend, as soon as this thing gets more expensive to maintain than a new car payment would be, that's when I got to cut my ties. Honestly, that never happened. I mean, to this day, if I show you my, and I do have a spreadsheet on every car, if you look at cost per mile, sort of ownership costs, I'm still better off driving that than, and as much as I would love to have a new car, and, and I still do, um, it, putting time and effort into an older car, it will, I mean, it's, and again, I'm biased toward Honda and Acura because I've had such amazing experiences with them, but um, that whole 100,000 mile mentality is so old school, um, <laughs> but I've benefited from it. I mean, the legend, I bought it 95,000 because the lady wanted to move on. My, I had a TL Type S that was gorgeous. I sold it to me at 96000 for the same reason. And I actually asked him about it. I'm like, why, you know, is there a reason you've kept this thing for 10 years and you're ready to part ways? And he said, I just can't roll 100,000 miles on a car. <laughs> so he, he bought a Porsche Macan. <laughs> well, you probably won't but make yeah. 100,000 miles on that thing. Right? How many miles on your NSX now? I am at 125, I think. Speaking of NSXs. And that's the thing. So as people come to me, so we were talking about earlier how people come to you and complain about stuff. People come to me all the time randomly on Instagram and and start asking me about buying an NSX. And, you know, you're one of the only people that will talk to me on the DMs. You know, it's like, well, you know, I was there once. But I tell them, like, what are you looking for? And they go, well, I really want to find something that's got like less than 30,000 miles. I'm like, well, why? Oh, wow. Like, I don't know. Just because, you know, all the miles I go, unless it has like 7,000 on it. It doesn't matter if it has twenty five or one hundred and twenty five thousand. It's the same car and it'll drive just the same, just like any car. You have to, you know, maintain it. But you know, we know guys. What Hugh over in what Florida has? I don't know how much he has on that thing. That Charlotte he's thing the, is. He's in the threes, easily in the threes. And then you've got Richard Graves and Liz. They're NSX. Shout out to them, by the way. Uh, check them out lap on YouTube. World. Lap of the lap of the world. I mean, <clears throat> these people do drive and look at. I think Expo 2019, I'm pretty sure uh, Fred drove, um, you know, Fred Klein with the uh, Midnight Purple. He's well yep. into the twos with his. So to your point, yeah, I mean, I mean, they're Hondas. I, I, I don't buy any car to put it in a garage and dust it with a California car duster and use it as an investment. That's life's too short. You know, even my NSX, it had relatively low miles. It had 80,000 when I bought it eight years ago, but it's at 115 and they've been damn fun miles, you know, uh, no regrets. So, yeah, I mean, I guess a lot of people have a different mentality. And there's no right or wrong answer. If you're a car enthusiast, I don't care if you drive your car or not, but you know, I buy my cars to enjoy them and I definitely have. So I've been to your house a couple of times. Some of the people that will listen to this podcast has been to your house a few times, but for the people who have not been to your house, so Tyson has his house set up and it looks like a freaking showroom, literally into in garage, <laughs> uh, just inside. He has this big glass display. He's got all sorts of memorabilia, NSX mobilia, Honda, Acura, every, anything and everything. Most of which people have donated to him and he's got a closet overflowing with the stuff. So the thing you got earlier from the guy, where the mm -hmm. hell did you put that? 
Yeah. So it's, it's got a place in the, uh, in the showcase. Um, so again, this house couldn't have been better for me. It's literally more square feet for cars than for people, but, uh, it's basically set up to where it's a, it's a two car wide, but three cars deep on the east side of the house. And then it's got a single car garage on the other side. And it is, um, as a matter of fact, yesterday, I had a UPS guy drop in a package off and he made a comment because I had a green Del Sol in the driveway, which coincidentally is now sold. I was on a truck to New Jersey today. But I said, oh, yeah, you're an old school. Oh, yeah, I'm like, you're an old school Honda fan. Well, come back here with me. Let me show you something. So I, I take him back and he's like, holy crap, I didn't realize the garage went that far back. And uh, he was just kind of wide eyed. But that's the reaction I love to get from people. I mean, it's just rewarding because. Um, more than anything else, the thing that I get a kick out of is the nostalgia. Oh man, my sister had an Integra just like this in, in college or my first car, or my mom had a legend, you know, people. And again, that's kind of that golden era Honda love that a lot of people have. It just evokes. I had a friend come in the garage the other day. He's like, your, your garage smells like nineties Honda. And he, he would just, that he couldn't get over the smell of it. <laughs> And so that that to me, that makes it all worthwhile that I can help people kind of relive some of those memories. You know, what's funny is the last time I was over there, everybody who walked in the house is like, oh, have you seen the garage? It's like I was like your little tour guide, like ushering people around. <laughs> yeah, it's a work in progress, honestly. And I, I don't try and, you know, blast it all over social media because at the end of the day, I mean, you could liquidate everything in my garage and it's probably not even worth as much as, you know, a new SUV. So they're not like super collectible, cool cars, but each one sort of means something to me. And, um, you know, it's 16 years worth of collecting. If you consider the fact that I bought that first Legend Coupe in 2003, it's literally taken me this long to basically put the puzzle together and get, you know, everything I wanted. And I don't think I'm done yet. I mean, I, I, I'm out of space for sure, but, um, there's nothing to say I won't, you know, evolve the collection a little bit. And uh, honestly, I think I probably will. There's, there's plenty of more cars I want to acquire at some point. And, you know, as long as I can place these other ones in good homes, then, uh, then that's probably the route I'll go. So some people collect cats, some people collect dogs, you collect cars. So I'd rather have my garage smell like nineties <laughs> Honda than a bunch of cat shit. Yeah, and cat that's, pee all over that's the, place. the absolute truth. Well, and, <laughs> and you know, to people, non-car people using air quotes here, it just is completely puzzling to them. Why do you, and especially, Make no sense. yeah, I mean, like I, you know, I literally have two 1994 Acura Legends in the same color, the same engine, the same transmission. One's a two-door, one's a four-door. You ask the average Joe Blow if that's a rational decision, he'd say, hell no. Why, what is this kid smoking? He's got two of the same thing. You can only drive one at a time. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I give up trying to explain it to people who don't get it. But at the same time, you know, I realize I'm a little weird or, you know, I'm actually probably a little off my rocker. But that's okay. I don't, you know, I, uh, I own it. And uh, I think, again, like what I said earlier, you have to learn to take a little bit of criticism. And, you know, if most people were going to start a car collection, it probably would have been with different stuff than what I'm doing it with. So, and that's perfectly all right. 
you know, everybody needs a hobby and that same person who who are saying those things, you can go to their place and find multiples of something that they collect. Granted, it may not be a ticket item of a car, you know, but it could be action figures. It could be purses. It could be shoes. You know, people who collect things, you know, it doesn't make us different or weird. It just makes, just means that, you know, we see something beyond the, the normal drive of our every single day life. Oh, yeah. Oh, I totally, uh, definitely anybody. I like people who are passionate about something. I'll give right. you an example. Um, one of my best friends, his name's Matt, biggest Metallica fan I've ever met. Now, do I strike you as someone who's going to be into metal or, or heavy stuff or anything? I'd be shocked if you weren't. Probably completely. <laughs> so here's the thing. that I Through him, and I love that he was passionate about this, I went to like six or seven Metallica shows with him awesome. and actually had a really good time. And it's just, it's, it's out of my comfort zone, but seeing somebody else being so um, into something, I appreciate that. And so I went out of his way. It's just like somebody who doesn't give a load of bull about an Acura NSX. If they actually try and engage me in conversation about that, I light up about it. I'll, I'll talk about cars all day. And so I just try and turn the tables the other way around. And if I learn, I have coworkers who are, you know, um, into their kids' sporting events. Hey, how was, uh, how was Nyla's volleyball today, Amanda? And so we just kind of you take interest in people, you know, and that's, and I've learned a lot through that. And I've, I've gone on to, you know, discover more things. So talking about your vehicles, how many do you have and, and which which ones do you have? Let's tell the people before we move on. Yeah, sure. I, well, I just, like I said, I just parted ways with the, one of my favorite ones that I've had, but just ran out of room. I had a 93 Del Sol SI uh, that just left today on a transport truck to New Jersey. So that brings me down to nine, uh, <laughs> which is a little bit irrational itself, but I guess in order of model name or in, you know, keeping them together. I have two Acura Legends, a 94 Coupe and a 94 Sedan, both manual. Two 92 Integras. One is a GSR. One is a GS Sedan. I have uh, the 94 Vigor, which a lot of people haven't even heard of. It was a model that was only made for three years. Five-cylinder, five-speed. Only three years. Yeah, 92 through four. It went on to become the 2.5 and the 3.2 TL, but it just was always kind of an oddball stepchild in the family. Um, and then where do we go from there? The NSX can't forget that has can't forget yeah, the NSX a whole Tyson. story to itself. That car was my dream from high school age. The whole goal, and I don't even think I mentioned this, was I wanted that car by the time I was thirty. So a few years in advance, I set up a separate savings account, and I would just sort of start transferring money, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. Nice. I even called the account in my Wells Fargo login. I called it Acura NSX. And so um, as things got closer, uh, I started, and I, I was nowhere near still being able to pay cash for one. But um, luckily for me, the marketplace wasn't as crazy as it is today. This was 2011. So um, I had a good down payment. I found a, a credit union that financed me for the rest. And I literally pulled the trigger two weeks before my 30th birthday. So that was like goal accomplished. It was, it was pretty awesome. And kind of to bring things full circle, 
The reason why I found that car is because I was at a Metallica show with my friend <laughs> in San crazy. Francisco and hopped on Craigslist and it yeah. there. I, I mean, really, I kid you not. So, you know, sometimes things fall into place for a reason. And uh, that car has just been a dream come true. And, you know, it's it's the I call it the crown jewel of my collection. Uh, anyway, so we got the NSX two legends, two Integras, the figure. Uh, Quirky oddball SUV, the Acura rebadged off of an Isuzu Trooper called the SLX. Um, more so just, I got that just for kicks because people don't really know what it is. It was came out five years before the MDX that was did. was a re- recent acquisition, wasn't so it? That's like a the last project years? truck right now. Yeah, I've had two of them. Yeah, this one came, I got it in Mar- uh, May, I think. So that's kind of getting worked on. Uh, then we're into the newer stuff. I have a, a 2000. I, I say newer when it's a 2000. Anything <laughs> newer than 99, I'm like, wow, millennial. So this is I have a black on black uh, 3.5 RL that has a bit of family history. My mom drove it back in the early 2000s. And then um, the daily, which is still that uh, ILX. So uh, 2013 six speed. In fact, everything, all nine of them are stick shifts except for the SLX, which you couldn't get in one, and the RL, which you couldn't get in one. So I, I'm a diehard save the manuals guy, and uh, you know, for better or for worse, and uh, like to roll my own. And gears. it's a millennial theft deterrent. Is what they're saying these yeah. days. Yes, yeah, I thought on a t-shirt. Pretty true though. Pretty true. I. It's funny because the. The ILX is actually really friendly to learn on. It's got hill start assist and all this stuff. So I've, I've taught two people to drive stick on that car. Did you say hill start assist? I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So get this. So if you're on an incline and you have the clutch engaged and you're in first gear or any gear, I guess, if you let if you let the clutch out, the brakes actually hold you there for a couple of seconds. So it it's weird to get used to. For me, anyway, because I'm so used to having to do the, you know, the the shuffle with your feet to quickly picture you're on a you know a hill, San Francisco or somewhere, and you you got that right paranoia that you're going to roll back into somebody. This completely gets that. It's pretty brilliant little mechanism. Um, you just take yeah, take some getting used to. So take us back to March 26, 2003, San Jose, California. Yeah, that's a big day, red letter day. That was uh, a flight from Vegas to San Jose to buy my car, uh, the, the car that sort of started it all. Uh, I had been hell-bent on finding a six-speed manual Legend Coupe 9495 for a while. And even even then, it was nine years old. Even then, they were starting to get really difficult to find, let alone today. And uh, I'll never forget, I had 9500 bucks in cash in a Ziploc bag in my front jeans pocket boarding this flight as a 21 year old kid and it was a sight unseen auto trader purchase uh, the lady picked me up in a jeep cherokee at san jose airport and uh, i think she lived nearby but i mean i was you know i fell in love with the car at first sight i had about a 700 mile drive that day after we took care of business and uh the binder of records that she gave me was really what launched me into my obsession with keeping records because she had probably, you know, ten to 12,000 in maintenance spent, including every oil change receipt back to when that car was new. So to this day, if I ever go to look at a car and the owner has that kind of, you know, 
record keeping and documentation, I'm like sold because to me, that's as, as cool of a story as the car itself. But um, yeah, that that day I celebrate anniversary every every year with just because uh, it was you know, it's, if I had to sell all the other cars in the garage, that would probably be the one that that wouldn't uh, wouldn't go away. So let me back up for a second. You had nine thousand five hundred dollars in your pocket. Yeah, that's cheap. I had it listed and I printed the auto trader ad it was listed at 9950 and uh, got her down a little bit in negotiation. But yeah, so I paid cash for it and drove it home. The reason why I think that number is amazing is because on your blog, you said the car had 95,000 miles on it. Correct. So you yeah. Move, the, move it over one. And, yep. Yeah. And it's funny because. Yeah, I kind of noticed weird shit like that. Yeah. Even in the marketplace on those cars is pretty wild too. Um, there was a. 93 LS six speed with 50,000 miles that just sold for, for 10,500, uh, I think a week ago and bring a trailer. So the funny thing is, even if all I had done was taken that car home, parked it for 15 years and then resold it, I would have made my money back. And, and that's, what's kind of cool is like, I think the appreciation for nice condition, you know, nineties and early two thousands Honda and Acura cars is on the rise. And so, you know, once in my life, I might actually make a buck on a car or two, whereas I'm so used to losing money on every project I ever touch. Just like you were saying earlier, you never know, you know, things have a funny yeah. way of working themselves yeah. out. You never know, you know, how things are going to go. What is your worst road trip? You have to have yeah. one in all those blog posts uh-huh. where you're just like, fuck. Yeah, man, there, there's been a couple that stand out as just memorable in a bad way. He was driving to a legend meet in Austin, Texas in 2007. This is, I was young and dumb and I was driving around, you know, dawn and dusk time frame when deer are migrating. Killed a deer on Highway 290, uh, just between like Fredericksburg and I-10. And I was sort of dazed and confused, you know, took out a headlight and part of my hood. I went to the meet with a wrecked car and th- this is the part I still to this day don't know how the hell this happened. Anyway, a day and a half later, I'm driving back on the same road. This time in the morning instead of at night, I hit a second deer. <laughs> a second deer on the same road. So now... Did you lose the other headlight? Yeah. So my hood is crunched. And I have literally, I can email you pictures to show you what this looked like. But I, at that point, I was something like 15 or 16 hours from home. I had no headlights, but the fog lights were still working. Car wasn't losing any fluid because those deer just kind of roll over the hood, you know, and, and there was no, it was all just cosmetic. A year later, Tommy Boy comes out and they stole what happened to you. <laughs> yeah. So I, I trucked at home and, you know, I was hating life the whole way home. I'm like, why did I even come to this meet? I, I don't have the means to get this fixed. And, you know, I should have just stayed home this weekend. And anyway, to this day, you know, 12, 13 years later, I don't drive as much at night, especially at dawn and dusk time. And um, I had to laugh because I was coming back on the Florida trip just last week and I passed that same exit. I'm like, man, I remember coming through here. Never gonna forget. Yeah. <laughs> and I, it was a different time of day. So I was like, uh, I don't ever want to come back down here. But um, that was a memorable road trip in a, in a bad way just because I, you know, I destroyed my baby and blah, blah, blah. Um, other time I can think of was not necessarily, I mean, in hindsight, it's hilarious, but at the time it was a bad road trip. Yeah. My buddy Jason and I on the Florida adventure, I mean, on the Alaska adventure, 
we got to this hotel or a really rickety motel actually in British Columbia and it was the worst accommodations. The the beds were creaky and gross and and they were on Yeah, the mattresses like sunk yeah. down in the middle. Oh yeah. And they were on <laughs> the beds were actually on wheels. And the funny thing was I woke up in the middle of the night and I guess, you know, when you're wrestling around and you change position, every time I did that, the bed would roll. And halfway through the night, I realized my bed was like rolling closer to the front door. And I'm like, this was just way too creepy for words. Um, the water coming out of this, the tub was brownish. Oh. Um, I kid you not, Jason and I ordered hamburgers in the restaurant out front and um, I didn't finish mine or he didn't finish his or something. We went back to the room and then realized like, oh, I left something on the table. Well, Jason goes back to the restaurant to grab whatever was left. No. And literally he no. saw that someone no. had picked up our uh, oh, no. half eaten hamburger <laughs> and was finishing. Like they were eating it. I <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. Well, and then in hindsight, I'm like, well, I, I mean, I guess if you're in like rural British Columbia, like you don't want stuff go to waste. But. Jason and I just told each other like that night. We're like, we got to get out of here. <laughs> this place is yeah. weird. Set your alarm for four thirty a.m. Yeah. So, but you know, those are some of those stories. That's what creates the memories. Absolutely. You don't want you don't want every road trip to just be a flawless, picture perfect experience. Even just this one I was in two weeks ago, I had to throw two new tires on the car in Tallahassee, Florida, just because I noticed they were wearing hardcore on the inside. And, you know, you got to roll with it sometimes and you you don't err on the side of on things that are safety related. And, you know, sometimes you have to extend a trip a day or two for something like that or um, you're searching for parts that you don't have. And, you know, just spontaneity and the sense of adventure is really where um, to be a hardcore, you know, road tripper, you got to be OK with some some just being thrown your way i was gonna say i'll probably never meet anyone like you every once in a while you come across some old guy and he said he's driven back and forth multiple times in the same car you know you'll like you'll be at a truck stop or something or you'll be at a rest stop and you'll always have that conversation with a complete stranger but where does this all come from like so i know all about i don't i've known you for a while right a few years we've had some good times together hanging out at different events but i feel like i don't even really even know you and I feel like that's probably the case with a lot of people that you run into. Yeah. And I think either you have a really, really well-informed small circle or just ultra nomadic. Yeah. Um, and, and less as time goes, I mean, I don't do my huge, this trip was sort of an exception because um, I had to attend that meet, but I, um, I do try and make a concerted effort to, to be home and present more just because you know, how how would I ever expect to develop a network of folks here in my own community if I'm on, on a trip every weekend? Um, honestly, I think it all started in high school. I had an 89 Honda Prelude SI and I had a license plate that said 4CRUIZN, 4 Cruising. And that, that defined me. I loved driving that car and I cruised around, literally. And um, Is that your NSX Prime name? Yeah, yeah. And to this day, I, I think I still have that name. But um, that was sort of, I guess you could say I've always had it ingrained in me. I grew up in rural southern Utah 
with two younger brothers that were both car guys. And so automotive motor oil runs in the family in our, in our veins, so to speak. And so I, uh, it was nothing weird for me to be into cars and into the, the community. And, and even now, um, shout out to my younger brother, Peyton, he just got done building a, a really phenomenal uh, Lexus IS 300 build with a, you know, whole host of uh, upgrades and modifications to his 2JZ. And he's got an up and coming. Okay. So that's why I haven't heard it. Cause I knew you had a brother. Yeah. But oh. if your younger brother was into Acura's and Hondas, maybe I would have heard about yeah, him. And, I get it. And we're actually, our tastes are way different. So uh, Bentley is my younger brother, just younger than me. Uh, he's into um, hot rods and classics and has a couple lifted pickup trucks. Just finished restoring a 1950s Ford truck. And then uh, Peyton is the one with the Lexus. He's seven, six or seven years younger than I am. And so, I mean, when we get together as a family, the driveway is is a car show, and uh, it always sort of feels a bit, a little bit like a, a competition. You know, sometimes to talk about, you know, what's what's new with yours? Oh, I don't know what's new with yours, but it's it's really cool because, um, you know, the passion has been ingrained in us, and I guess maybe I have my dad to to thank or blame for that because so that I mean, taking pride in an automobile is something. In fact, I have pictures in my kitchen of my grandfather who passed away when I was eight, standing next to his Pride and Joy, which was a 1950 Buick. So, you know, there's maybe there's just something about it that, you know, uh, automotive um, connection has been in in my roots since before I was even born. And, uh, you know, I I just kind of carry that on, maybe even a little bit exaggerated. (laughs) So I've known you more as an NSX guy for obviously obvious reasons, but I know you're major, major, major in the legend world. Um, and it, and I've come to realize while you're never really around because you're driving all over the place and you do a lot of work with the, uh, the, uh, actor legend community. Yeah. And that's in terms of, you know, size and scope, the legend group is so much smaller than NSX. I mean, we had, our annual meet this year was uh, roughly 20 cars, whereas I think NSX could have been upwards of 200. So sometimes I like that actually because you get to know people a lot more. But um, I've been part of the that that community for 15 years, 16 years now, and uh, it's it's a little bit different genre, a little bit different demographic. Um, you know, the car, that car has been out of production now in the U.S. for 25 years. As of next year, the last model year was 95. So it's difficult to predict if it'll even still be a thing 10 years from now. Um, you know, NSX world is a little different because it's getting a resurgence with, with the Gen 2. Um, on the Legend community, you know, these people have issues keeping their cars on the road. Parts are discontinued. Uh, some catastrophic happens, they just leave. And, you know, I don't even see them frequently in junkyards mm. anymore. And, uh, you know, that um, that doesn't bode well for uh, the community, you know, long-term growing in any way. But I think those of us who are diehard uh, will will stick with it as long as we can. So because of the nature of the vehicle, kind of in that fringe luxury vehicle that's been gone for years and years, there's doesn't sound like there's really anyone out there similar to what we have with the NSX community with Science of Speed, where they they 
tried to recreate things that are discontinued from the factory. Agreed. Um, and I, I love that Chris does that with the heritage portion of his business. And the thing that we've had to do in the legend side is really just get resourceful. So when we go dumpster diving, hitting the local junkyard pick and pull, you know, we take a list. All right. Uh, Chris needs an ABS pump. Uh, Ben's looking for a windshield. Alan needs a slave cylinder. And we kind of help each other out. And there, to some extent, have been people doing uh, reproduction stuff here and there. But Overall. for the most part, it's pretty, yeah, for the most part, you really kind of just have to make use of, you know, aftermarket if it's available or or salvaged uh, junkyard stuff, if not. Maybe you can uh, use your network in the future to kind of keep that alive with some of your connections. Yeah. Well, there's a guy, and it's funny, we call him the legend savior named Alan in uh, Tampa, Florida, but he has a, a warehouse, for lack of a better word, that he stores a lot of parts. And so he's sort of our go-to guy. If somebody messaged, in fact, uh, going back to when we helped Acura build Ludacris's legend, I had to contact Alan. I said, hey, uh, we need uh, an ABS pump for Luda's car. You got one? And so I put him in touch with him. And, uh, you know, it by word of mouth, usually, um, I don't like to think that anybody's car would ever be put to pasture because they're missing a part. I think we can, between all of us, we have a Facebook group with 6,000 people in it. Somebody on there is going to have a resource that can help get so-and-so back on the road. Yeah, that'll be a shame. Or it'll be uh, someone's trash is the community's treasure. Did you get a chance to meet Luda? Like how many, like what's the, what's, at what point were you kind of out in one of your social events or as an extension with Acura or whatnot where you're like, wow, I'm, I'm standing next to so-and-so. Um, I didn't meet Luda. I, I uh, met the guy who uh, was the lead builder on that SEMA project. Um, I actually wrote on a little post-it note and I put it in Luda's car in the center armrest. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what I said. I think it said, uh, uh, we have an, a very strong Acura legend community at this Facebook group under this name. Uh, really appreciate your dedication to the, the make and model. And I, I wrote my name, but I never did hear anything. It, that piece of paper may have gotten thrown away. But um, in terms of it's your question about, yeah, <laughs> the, uh, like the aha moment of, holy crap, look at these people around me. I would have to say that's probably at the Quail um, events out in Pebble oh, Beach and Monterey. Yeah. So Acura has these usually once a year out there on Car Week, they'll have a reception. And I remember, you know, it's not uncommon for Jay Leno to come down the stairs or Adam Carolla or um, Jesse Metcalf, who's an actor. Um, and, and I'm like, whoa, I'm standing right next to and Jewel came and performed last year. All these people like thanks to this automotive connection, I'm getting to rub shoulders with people who I would never dream of. And, and I really love that. Yeah. So it's like March 23rd or March 26, 2003, and fast forward, right? And it's like, holy crap. If you have time, do you have someone you want to recognize on Instagram? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's do that um, most definitely. The Instagram profile highlight of the week is brought to you by From the Bumper. From the Bumper Automotive Photography, where they take pictures and tell stories from the perspective of the bumper of the car. It's an unbiased view of automotive culture. It's from the bumper. Follow them on Instagram at from the bumper, one word, but don't one word, just at from the bumper. And right now you can follow them and their updates on the incredible build by HHH Customs and their road to SEMA. 
for this SEMA campaign. Again, that's from the bumper. So Instagram profile holler of the week. Tyson, who do you have? I'm going to go with uh, my buddy Ethan Tux, Jay. Uh, Ethan is, just to give you a little bit of background, uh, he's been handling, um, I, I met him through the Radwood series of shows, and some of the podcast listeners may have heard of Radwood. It's a whole movement on 80s and 90s cars. Radwood official. Exactly. So that's the Radwood. So Ethan was handling some of the Radwood YouTube stuff for a while, but he has a really cool um, following and social engagement of his own. If you look at uh, at Mr. Ethan Tufts, M-R-E-T-H-A-N-T-U-F-T-S. I like his stuff just because um, he's owned some of these quirky cars and um, he he has a really good knack for editing. If you follow his YouTube channel too, especially, you'll get a sense of what I'm talking about. But it's very engaging stuff. I like that he puts effort into um, recognizing cars that a lot of mainstream people don't care about. I'll give you a perfect example. He has this Chevy Nova twin cam, like 1988. You guys remember that was a rebadged Toyota Corolla? Uh, I get a kick out of it because how many people show and preserve a, a, a 1980s yes. Chevy Nova? And so at least I, one. I, I give him, yeah, I give him credit and props for that. But um, he's out in SoCal. I'll probably connect with him again here at the uh, Radwood show. Coming up, by the way, registration just opened. December, it's going to be December 7th. And uh, I'm definitely registered. So uh, you got any? So that's at, at Radwood official if you want to register. Yeah, baby. Tyson's pimping that. Yep. One word, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm looking at his profile right now, Ethan Tufts. Hello, Road. Yeah, his YouTube is called Hello, Road. And the, it's a big, and again, from what you would guess, the name corresponds to taking quirky road trips, um, offbeat destinations. He's gone to some really cool places that, you know, I keep a spreadsheet of destinations that, I, you know, bucket list sort of places that I want to go. Of course you do. And uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and he's someone who can relate to that. So I that's what I appreciate about his his uh, kind of approach to, you know, the automotive journalist side. Well, awesome. So everybody needs to go make sure they, they follow Mr. Ethan Tufts. And that's M-R-E-T-H-A-N-T-U-F-T-S. My Instagram profile highlight of the week is WC Lathe Works. Is it lathe or lathe? It's a lathe, right? When you make shit and it spins. Lathe. Yeah, yeah. lathe. Yeah. That's WC under lathe works. So this page belongs to a guy named Chris Matisich. Chris, hopefully I pronounced your last name correctly. So I hooked up with him for my SEMA build. He made the shift knob, the custom shift knob. So he makes shift knobs and he makes um, all sorts of different car parts. And he's at a point now where he quit his day job. And that's all he does at lathworks.com. And so Chris can bust out stainless steel, titanium, uh, e-button or e-brake buttons, um, pretty much anything and everything you'd want for the interior or some of the small stuff on the exterior. And the reason why I went with Chris is because you can't just walk into a regular store and get that. I mean, somebody made that item by hand and there's something to be said for that. So WC Lathworks is my Instagram profile highlight of the week. Check it out too. So let's uh, wrap this up. I want to thank my good friend Tyson Hugie for coming by. Tyson, tell them how they can get a hold of you and follow you at uh, drive2five.com. How about your Instagram? Definitely. Yeah, the, the Insta is just at T-Y-S-O-N-H-U-G-I-E. And then I have a YouTube channel under the same, just my full name, Tyson Hugie. 
and uh, check it out. I'm, I'm in the middle of posting a four-part series on my recent Florida trip. So episode one dropped last Sunday and episode two is coming out uh, in a couple days. So appreciate you guys uh, checking it out. Last Sunday would be October 20th, just as a, as a point of reference. So again, thank you so much for, for taking the time to do this. Um, I 100% appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Tyson Hugi. There'll be more interviews coming. Special thanks to our sponsors, talkmobile.net, from the bumper, dress up bolts. You can follow Brando at that damn NSX on Instagram. You can follow myself at NA2NSX on Instagram. Make sure to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with your friends. Let's grow this thing together. That's the only way we're going to grow. Send us an email to hardparkingpodcast at gmail.com with any questions. We'll try to answer them. So for Brando Baramita and myself, Jay Finning, this has been the Hard Parking Podcast. Talk to you next time. Shut up!